On today's episode of Successful Scales, I had the great pleasure of interviewing Ram Castillo. Ram is a Filipino-born Australian entrepreneur who does, who's had an incredible career ranging from growing up in the likes of Ogilvy and DDB, from being a creative director, an art director, um, an advisor. Uh, the list really goes on. We talk about a lot of interesting topics, including his own proprietary lightning bolt method on how to get through obstacles and really push forward. I mean, it was such a thrilling episode and I really think that anyone listening in has a lot to learn from Ram, so enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Successful Scales, the show where I interview now successful professionals about their journey and try and garner insights onto any tips that can be applied to your business at home. Whether it's financial freedom or the exit of your company, wherever your journey may take you, the idea here is to simply learn from those who have done it before. I hope you enjoy and you get some value out of this. Buckle up and enjoy the episode. Ram, thank you so much for jumping on today to another episode of Successful Scales. Yanni, thank you so much for having me, mate. Stoked to be here. Yeah, um, well, thanks for taking the time. I know it's late where you're sitting right now. And uh, so I really appreciate, you know, taking out the end of your weekend. And I've got to say, from my standpoint, it is just so nice to be sitting and chatting to another fellow Aussie. Uh, so it's just great. <laughs> Well, I'm impressed that you're in uh, Tel Aviv, mate. That's um, a place I've always wanted to visit. So um, good on you for uh, representing us there and, uh, you know, spreading your gifts, as, as we say, in, in other parts of the world, mate. It's important. Yeah, and it's funny, like how we actually connected was through Clubhouse. And one of the things that I felt like we really kind of bonded over was the fact that how do we continue to push the innovation centers in Australia forward and how do we actually impact um, what is like a fairly remote uh, or one of the most remote, remote ecosystems on the planet, but how do we really help elevate everyone inside of that and sort of that entrepreneurial uh, spirit? And, and here we are. Mate, I'm excited. It's, a, it's an amazing platform. Um, for those listening, if you haven't uh, gotten into Clubhouse yet, um, we are seeing massive behavioral shifts and we are seeing a... A few things, right? There's the attention that's going into what was Netflix, podcasts, um, you know, uh, other other media, other apps, um, taking huge bites of those big players. And apparently, there's it's only as we're speaking now um, at the beginning of February, it's only two founders and uh, and seven employees. Um, so, uh, and it also got. Uh, valued at um at one billion so <laughs> i can only imagine what, what's gonna happen now yeah absolutely wild just hearing those stats and and while we're talking about some pretty impressive things um we had we had an opportunity just before we started uh, pushing record here today and and i heard a little bit about your background honestly mate i'm blown away i feel very very humbled to have you sitting here but for for those who don't know you i'd love you to just give us a little bit of insight um about you and, and all the incredible things that you've achieved to date and will continue to push forward in doing. Sure, I'll give, I'll give a, a brief context on it because um, I don't want to bore your listeners with, <laughs> with my uh, background too much. But for context, um, I live in Sydney, Australia. I am uh, entering my mid thirties and I think it's important just because I think that we sometimes can attach too much meaning with where people are on their journey. So, so I'm entering my mid thirties 
but I was actually born in Manila, Philippines. I came to Australia, migrated here with my folks um, and my, my siblings when I was one. So I grew up as an Aussie kid um, with Filipino background, of course, and um, the way the, the the way that I see it, and the reason why I, I say this is 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 that as a designer, um, it's important to ask quality questions, and some of the things that I'm asking myself now, in hindsight, are really um, are really helping me help others, and by that I mean like a question. I've been asking myself more and more is what are the thoughts and beliefs that have led you to behave the way you've been behaving? And so with the cultural element, um, I grew up with stories like my dad being one of 11, his father passed away when he was three and they would grow up with only having a tablespoon of peanut butter and some bread to share. Right. Uh, he hustled his way, managed to get, and work for um, two degrees that that he you know blood sweat and tears the whole thing. When we came to Australia, those two degrees, marine transportation and mechanical engineering, were not recognised here. Okay, so already you're met with like this whole story of like not just like third world country, um, you know, poor lifestyle, but it was like legit. Like that's that's my world now because I grew up with that. My mum, one of five similar thing like she was so thirsty um, she was telling me when she was like four or five years old she went to the cupboard after school and just found whatever she could drink and it was soy sauce and she just sculled soy sauce and then now she's traumatized with soy sauce but um you know <laughs> I, mean, I, I, probably, I probably shouldn't be laughing at that <laughs> no <laughs> and, but that's the thing right like it's like a whole other world and my grandma her mom mom's mom you know hustled as well like she had the corner store selling she would buy a carton of milk and and share divide the milk into bags for the local families who would buy for like 25 cents or whatever right like and then she would go out the back to sew and dress make and alter dresses for the for the community so my perspective already as a kid was like eat every grain of rice don't fuck around like you gotta um, you got to work hard and, you know, stop complaining kind of thing. So pros and cons, but that prepared me to be in deep gratitude for the opportunity that I had. And so when I, you know, I was, I was bullied in school. I was always the shortest. I was never the most intelligent, never the most athletic, but all of this is important because when you see how I have, navigated all of that um i don't want you to think that it just it just it came without struggle so I'll, now fast forward i was only great at really art and creativity and the only commercial career path was graphic design i took that my parents couldn't afford me to take me to billy blue which was the top at the time and and still is quite up there uh it was like 45k applied for scholarships everywhere um, and I got one at a no-name sort of branded um, college and uh, managed to do design. Um, it's important because I'm going to loop back to that. So I did not go to Billy Blue, okay? Parents couldn't afford me, did get a scholarship somewhere else. Completed design, and then I, there was an opportunity to work in the mailroom at Ogilvy. 350 people on the first day over four levels, 
and they had Pizza Hut, Dove, Amex, Telstra, Milo, um, Sprite, Coke, the whole thing, right? But everyone was like, why are you taking a job in the mailroom? And I was like, why not? And again, just like, I was like, I've made it. I was like so happy to just be in a, in a building with other creatives and strategists and account managers. And, you know, I was like soaking it up all up. But also what I realized was other currencies. Cause even though I wasn't getting paid much, I probably would have gotten paid more by working at Macca's or Woolies or something. Right. Um, but like I met and I was exposed to people who became the springboard to launch my entire career. Um, ended up going through the ladder um, right through to my last roles were design director at DDB, servicing McDonald's, Audi, Woolies clients. Um, my last role was head of digital design at uh, Mercer Bell and Saatchi and Saatchi, uh, servicing Amex, Qantas, Toyota clients, to name a few, and leading teams and departments and working with other departments. Um, so along that journey, I also realized, and, and it happens, you, you question, is this the most meaningful contribution that I can make with my time and my life? Because you can climb up that ladder of success and realize that it might be leaning against the wrong wall. And I actually arrived at a point halfway through, because I've been, yeah, 16 years now, gosh, um, halfway through around 2012 I was about seven and a half eight years in I, I was like oh, I should be doing more like I feel so dead inside like I'm just designing for banks and cars and or you know I, I just felt really empty having a conversation with my mate and he's like mate so many people are like tweeting you asking for advice uh, on how to get a job why don't you just like start a blog so that you can just write something once and then point them to it I was like yeah okay All right, I'll give it a shot Anyway, I called it Giant Thinkers. My mate thought that was the shittest name ever, but I ended up um, sticking with it. <laughs> I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. Uh, you're the creative, mate, so push back. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. So I was like, look, the domain's available, whatever, and, um, and built a blog within like uh, two days, Saturday and Sunday, and started writing. Got um, only like two readers the first week, my mum and my sister. And then three months later, um, it got picked up by How Magazine, Communication Arts, organically. And then AIGA, the American Institute of Design, contacted me and, and invited me to New York. And I've got friends and family in LA. So I said, yeah, look, I'll swing, I'll swing by New York. Like next time in LA, I visit like twice a year. And I'm going to Madison Square Avenue in their offices, sitting on these grand red chairs. Here I am with Tim Tams handing out the board and, and the president of AIGM. I'm like, hey, mate, wow. and, uh, thanks for inviting me. And then they were so serious with their notepads. And they said, um, hey, Ram, we wanted to ask you, how are you engaging with an audience that we're struggling to engage with? And then I said, uh, they, they go, what's your strategy? And I was like, oh, mate, I don't have a strategy. To be honest, I'm just writing to my younger self. And they were like, great. So do you want to write for us? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, all good. Um, I love just the, the, the joy of it and not a formally trained writer at all. And uh, anyway, I ended up going, going back to Sydney and continued the writing. And I was like, what's the next thing outside of a blog? So I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll write a manuscript. I'll write a book, but who knows if I'll ever really launch it. Nine months later, um, through my practice of 10 minutes a day, which I highly advise for killing procrastination and making meaningful progress. Um, I, I spent at least 10 minutes a day writing, which sometimes 
turned into 30, sometimes turned into two hours. Sometimes I didn't write anything, but I gave it the 10 minute shot. And nine months later, I ended up with my first book uh, called How to Get a Job as a Designer. Now I went to 20 different publishers and sponsors and they all rejected me, mate. And one of them was even Billy Blue, because I was like, hey, you know, if I go down the route of publishing this myself, would you want to um, purchase a minimum order for your students? And they were like, oh, we don't really think that there's a market for it. You know, they politely declined and publishers as well. And I was like, what am I going to do? End up just writing from uh, writing uh, and launching it myself, self-publishing it. And then AIGA found out and then they were like, mate, we've, you do know we've got 72, 72 cities around America with almost half a million members and we can host you for a speaking tour. And anyway, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Saved up a bit of coin, worked a few more jobs and then did a 22 city, three month speaking tour across America. So then I launched a speaking career and, uh, and then ended up speaking at Creative Live as well, the world's, world's largest online learning platform. And when I did two classes there, one called Create a Knockout Design Portfolio, the other called Get the Dream Design Job You Want, both classes, six hours long, uh, were 10,000 people tuning in live each. Got back to Australia and then lo and behold, uh, all, the, all the organizations that sort of declined my my uh, invitation to, to buy some of my books or support me somehow, they all called me. Billy Blue booked me for six talks, one <laughs> of which was being the industry speaker for the 2015 commencement speech, the graduation speech with 1,200 people. It's on YouTube. Just type in graduation speech and my name, um, Think Education, and you'll, you'll see it. And um, that was a pivotal moment. And I, the reason why I say this is what, probably one of the proudest moments, like the Filipino boy who, you know, had a pretty rough upbringing uh, in school, immigrant, um, didn't have the money, got invited to one of the top design schools to speak and inspire the kids and somehow convince the parents that they didn't make a mistake paying for their kids' education. Yeah. It's just an amazing experience. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've, I've sort of spent the last couple of years um, giving back in many different ways. Second book was called How to Get a Mentor as a Designer. Launched a podcast called Giant Thinkers as well. I've interviewed you know Kelly Slater, Naomi Simpson, Shark Tankers, Stephanie Rice, gold medalist, founder of WordPress, Matt Mullenweg, um, heads of Nike, Deloitte, Visa. Like it's amazing. And so, you know, we're in this age where you can make enormous impact. Um, I'm now helping business owners. I sit on the advisory board for multiple businesses. And so that's now my focus at this life stage, um, helping business owners and decision makers get unstuck. I hate the feeling of, you know, your back is against the wall. So my thing is how can you feel like you're making an empowered and informed decision? Um, I feel like I've been able to navigate a lot of decision-making in my life personally and professionally through human-centered design methodologies and creative strategy. So I'm a bit of a hybrid, but that's a bit about me, mate. Sorry to ramble. Mate, no, don't apologize for one second. Uh, I was sitting here, I don't know if you saw me writing down a bunch of notes because I wanted to unpack some of the things. So firstly, for anyone listening who doesn't know about Ogilvy or DDB, you know, me coming from a creative advertising background, it's a big deal. 
uh, and the clients that Rams worked with are, you know, household brands. So uh, super impressive. Um, a few things I wanted to unpack uh, in some of the things that I kind of took from your experience and your journey that I think, you know, as people are looking to scale their businesses, um, I think hold a lot of weight and, and things that can often be sort of overlooked. So the, the first one was when you were talking about the fact that you were in the mailroom at Ogilvy and for you, you know, you, you'd made it, you, you were in there. And what that says to me is just the power of relationships and the fact that you were, you put yourself in a space where it really enabled you to network and meet the right people who could see your unique talent and your ability and your commitment. I mean, starting in the mailroom in itself just shows the lengths that you'll go to, to get to where you need to get to. And just to even further that point, um, you talked about the fact that you went and you went down the road of self-publishing the book and, you know, all these incredible things happen, but you got, what did you say? 20 knockbacks that people weren't interested in publishing the book. You went on to self-publish and as a result, you end up speaking at the commencement speech of the school that you wanted to work, that you wanted to go and study at. I mean, it's pretty impressive and it's pretty remarkable to show that the persistence, the commitment to getting to where you want to get to. And the, the also you talked about the 10 minutes a day, the repetition and the routine and the commitment that you put into everything that you do. Everything to me feels very calculated and very structured. And, and I think that as I continue to interview, you know, pretty exceptional people like you, I think these are some of the things that, that continue to come up and things that, uh, at least for me, you know, I'm sitting here also learning in the education seat as well. It's just super. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it seems calculated, but I would actually say, Yoni, it is more around having the willingness and commitment to explore. That, that I, have to, I have to really highlight because there is no amount of book, YouTube video, podcast, mentor, insert resource here that will help a person if they are not willing and committed to explore. So I just wanted to make that point. I think that's a great point. Curiosity is a fundamental building block to anything that you're going to actually see results out of. Is is It's that curiosity mixed with the repetition and the commitment to that self and that personal and professional development that will see you kind of start to ascertain those new heights. And you're right, no one, no mentor, no book, nothing is going to take you there. They're going to unlock keys and it's how you imply or, or apply them rather to your business and your, your personal life and your direction that are going to sort of see you take steps in the right direction. So fascinating, uh, fascinating background, mate. And, and really like, you know, you're, I'm also stepping into my mid thirties right now. So we're of a similar age and, uh, it's just awesome to see. We haven't, we didn't connect on it at all. It's funny, like our, all of our conversations that we've had today, nothing's been about what we have done specifically in terms of business and nothing's been about commercially, like how can you help me or how can I help you? But man, I got to tell you, my entire business is built on a social mission to empower the Philippines. Um, we pay healthcare, social security, HMO, PhilHealth, 13th month, Pagibig, we are looking to raise the standard of living in the Philippines and really empower work from home jobs. Yeah. So 
you know, when you I have, you kept that from me, I know. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we spoke on, we spoke on clubhouse, right? So I'm speaking to another Aussie accent, right? I couldn't know of your background and this is the first time we're kind of seeing each other, but um, yeah. So, yeah. So like every single, like I am just blown away at the caliber of talent and the work ethic and the loyalty and the integrity and the culture that exists in the Philippines to the point where we won't hire anyone that's not Filipino. Um, that's yeah, that's really like, I am the biggest believer. And so, you know, just sitting hearing your story, I want you to come and speak to my whole bit, my whole company and talk about, you know, some of the incredible things that you've achieved, because this is what we're trying to do is create the, the, the leaders of tomorrow inside of our operation, because we just have such brilliant minds. Mm. Hey, count, count me in on that. Um, because, uh, you know, I've come from, like I said, the background of um, seeing what knowledge and circumstance can do to the, the direction and redirection of the quality of someone's life. Um, that, that's fundamental. And also there's, um, there's something to be said about like the, the leadership component of of all of us um you, you said the word leader so i've like prompt prompt up here i believe that everyone can be a leader if we're willing to pay the price um and so that price might be you know um emotional exchange mental you know exchange can you know, energy um time money um ego <laughs> You know, there's a lot there. Um, but one of my favorite quotes about leadership um, is, well, I've got a few from, from the great Simon Sinek. And one is um, the responsibility of leadership is not to come up with all the ideas. The responsibility of leadership is to create an environment um, in which great ideas can thrive. Um, that's one. And then also um, with you know, your love for Filipinos and you've, you've felt their hospitality and their uh, generosity and their, and their, and their warmth. Um, you know, I hope to bring that as well to, to the Australian um, culture here. And, and hopefully I've done that. Um, Simon Sinek also said that you can easily judge the character of a man or woman by how they treat those who can do nothing for you. Um, so there are a few things, mate, like it's, it's important, like wherever we influence in business or entrepreneurship, or doesn't matter what community, to be honest, it's important to uh, understand that everyone can be a leader and can influence positive change. Um, if they're willing to pay the price. Love it. Absolutely love it. And I think that's such sound advice around leadership and you know, I think we're also moving into an age of, um, you know, when we talk about things marketing and we'll move on to the, to the topics where we talk a little bit about scaling and, and some of the things that I think you can bring to the table. But um, so much of what's happening today, at least in my world and the people that I'm speaking to, it's not about, it's not about uh, what I can get out of this relationship, but it's what I can give and how I can actually impact and create positive change. And I find that the, the leaders and businesses and the, and the individuals who are, you know, heart-centered and focused on having positive impact and change are the ones that not only do I see them as being a lot of the most successful, but I want them to be successful. I hope that these are the people that are going to be the leaders of tomorrow and the people that 
whatever they do in life will permeate through everyone that they touch. So yeah, I think that those are really hard hitting uh, and valuable points. So jumping in and, you know, I'm again, stoked to have you on the show and, you know, I'm just loving every minute of our conversation right now because we're talking a lot about the philosophical and the journey. And before I step into to success, you know, around scaling businesses, um, you, you touched on the fact that you're, a, you know, you're, you're the son of an, a, a family that migrated to Australia and that were, you know, really struggling to make ends meet when it comes to what it was early on and coming through how much of that. Um, and also just so you know, as well, my dad's Israeli, I'm, you know, uh, uh, I guess half of an immigrant to Australia too. I mean, I was born there, but my, uh, my father came with nothing and did everything that he did and professionally in life. And he's done some pretty impressive things. Um, how much of that do you feel drives your position and your purpose and, and, and what kind of fuels you to um, have positive impact? Uh, it's a substantial amount, <laughs> I'd say, because um, every time I feel that, um, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack here. When, when people ask me, you know, how have you done this or whatever? It's like, it's, it's, it's already a, a preconceived notion that it's, it's difficult. So because of that framing, there lies the issue. So the perspective that I have is different. I'm not saying it's better or worse than anyone. It's just different. I have had a perspective with those stories, as I mentioned. And so I owe my parents, um, the, the 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 probably what they didn't think was um a gift like of course like you know they probably were like you know i wish i could give you a new pair of school shoes when all my friends were having new school shoes every year i'd have to wait every two two and a half years i didn't know i was not well off until high school actually i didn't know you don't know you know that you are when and so i feel like i not i'm now in a position where I have fully acknowledged the sacrifices that not only they made, but go all the way up the lineage there. My grandparents, my ancestors, the Filipinos, uh, you know, who, you know, fought for freedom in, in, in their version of that. And so every time that I pursue something that is of a absurd, almost audacious, ambitious, goal um, I always think about the people that I'm serving and one of the things that I ask myself is you know I, I get the question a lot as well like what's your version of success and it all comes down to this how well am I sleeping at night because if deep down my own truth barrel that I am not feeling like I'm contributing to the fullness of the expression of my gifts and what I'm capable of. Again, right? It's different when you have this perspective. That's why I encourage you to explore the world, obviously, after we are in a situation where we can do that safely um, with vaccines and whatnot. But, you know, it, it's, it's don't let those moments go to waste. Like we, 
you know, I met a girl on Clubhouse who is completely deaf and she coached everyone to end with saying, uh, and I am now done speaking because she has the text prompters on top because Clubhouse is a voice platform. She doesn't know who's speaking and when they're ending. So she, you know, I learned something from that. So, you know, empathy, all of that stuff. Like, you know, I, I'm only able to have this enormous drive. And one of, one of the things that uh, manifestos of giant thinkers is um, giant living requires giant thinking. Like you've got to think and go to depths of yourself that, it, that it's no longer even about you. You know, a simple example is when a mom has to wake up at three in the morning to feed her child, she would much rather not be woken up, but she did and does as we have been raised. You know, we, we appreciate that and understand that example because it's bigger than her. So, you know, I, I always feel that, you know, you've got to find, that's why I love volunteering. You know, whenever you feel down or you, you think that you're in a tough position, go volunteer somewhere. I go to a um, homeless shelter where uh, every fortnight um, in Woolloomooloo, where um, it's, it's called the street, um, the street buffet. You just bring food and you feed, you feed the homeless. They just line up. You know, um, sorry, I, I might be sidetracking here, but that, that, there's, a, there's more than us. And I think we've got to tap into that more. Love it. Yeah, no, you're not, you're not sidetracking at all. I mean, that, that's the whole root of it. You know, when we, when we talk about the whole audience and what I'm trying to achieve here with successful scales, it's talking to real people about real things that are driving people forward. And so all of these nuggets, understanding kind of the deeper you and what is your motivating factor, you know, that really is at its core, what I hope, what I've set out to achieve here. So your sidetracks are really on track. Um, but um, I, I'd love to dive into a little bit about your career a bit more and more so um, specifically, you know, you've had a really impressive career to date and I'm not, you know, I, I have no idea how far you're going to push it, but I'm sure that it's uh, to the moon and back. Now, you know, going, you know, growing up through Ogilvy and DDB and then dealing with kind of smaller businesses and navigating, you know, I mean, I was there too, navigating the, the well, I don't want to say treacherous waters, but some of the more challenging uh, encounters with dealing with some of the bigger corporations on the planet and, and kind of getting through management. Like any, any tips or insights around people who are, you know, at various stages in their career when it comes to going down the route of, say, working for a DDB or an Ogilvy or, you know, you're now sitting on advisory boards and you're doing things, you know, you've, your side hustle turned into your main focus and then it led you to being, you know, a professional, global, world-renowned speaker to, you know, a, an accomplished author. I mean, you know, I mean, I've just rambled on a million different directions, just kind of highlights how impressive some of the things you've done uh, are. But any tips or advice you'd give to, the younger you, as you're going through this journey. Yeah, um, a few things. Um, one is to ensure that you have a decision-making compass that is very clear. So um, I'll give you a method that I've um, come up with 
to because I, I wanted to package exactly that. Um, how can someone make decisions quickly in a way that they can access options, right? So I, I, it's called the lightning bolt method. Um, and the lightning bolt method is something that I've been mulling over for a few years that I only sort of frameworked and coined uh, last year. And um, it basically involves this process of three, sort of imagine Venn diagram. And if you go to ramcastillo.com, it's there as well. But um, you know, when we make a decision, so when you're, okay, so you're navigating, because obviously it's a broad question, you're navigating a career or you might be navigating um, a challenge of some type, um, uh, big or small, right? Day-to-day -day or life decision. We have, we, we, we have a, an objective there, but the first bucket that I'll say is you need to interrogate the objective. And that's the first part of the lightning bolt method. And by interrogating your objective, it's simply what is the minimum viable intention? What is the minimum viable version? of the thing that you that you want. So I guess let's let's put an example in place, okay? Let's say I want you know you if you want to be in management or hold a senior position. That's that's the the defining of the objective, which is important, but I would interrogate it more. I would say what is the minimum senior position title? When do I like what what department um, what agency? Um, this really skews back to a, another very, very common tool, which is the SMART goals, which is S for specific, as we know, M for measurable, A for uh, attainable, R for relatable, related to what you do, uh, and T for time bound. Okay, so grab that tool, grab that framework, and interrogate the shit out of what you really want. Okay, and you can do this for different things, but let's just go in the lineage of like, okay, this, this pathway of, okay, um, career path. So when, you, when you've interrogated your objective down to the specific of even where you want to work, who you want to work with, and also give yourself a timeline to it, now everything becomes clearer. Why? Because you know what to say yes to and you know what to say no to. Okay. The, the second bucket is curate your criteria. And this is why I was saying it's important to have a compass. Curate your criteria is this. What is your non-negotiables? That is the simplest, most penetrative way to go, all right, what am I willing to exchange, pay or trade as a non-negotiable for this? Because are you willing to give up your values? Are you willing to, to, to cheat, lie, kill? Right? Probably not. Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> Right? But obviously an extreme example, but you get my point. So you've got to curate your criteria because if you already know that deep down inside, you want to work with other like-minded people, then, then curate the exact qualities and values that matter to you. Don't work for a sales force who a friend of mine worked there and they, it's like a three strikes and you're out if you don't meet your quota for your target for, for the month and you get that's, fired, right? That's but, inside of Salesforce. Yeah. Shit. Right. So don't work for them if you are the type of person that values everything opposite to that culture. But it, again, neither here or there. Like you might thrive 
in, in abundance in that and you're and it's perfect just like how um netflix have defined their culture for their employees as not family but it's more sport based and there's a pdf there's a there's a slide deck about netflix culture it's very fascinating you can research that um, but again, like what is your compass? What is your culture? What is your criteria? Be very clear on that. So that is what is your non-negotiables? The third and last bucket in the lightning bolt method is dismantle obstacles. So in short, that means root cause analysis. What is the thing that is actually an obstacle? Because you might find that it's an artificial, um, artificial structure called fear and it's an internal challenge and that you are actually not addressing the real fear because you're not having a conversation about the thing that you fear. Fair enough, it might be a resource thing. But then again, don't say, oh, we don't have any capital. Bullshit. You actually need to find out what is the minimum amount that you need and break it down and do the responsible thing um, I know this might sound like a, a bit harsh and direct, but it's true. You've got to, you've got to go down and interrogate, uh, sorry, to the, to the dismantling of the obstacles, which is the third thing. You've got to pull apart the challenge and find the source of what is the barrier that's in your way. You know, a, a, a powerful question that we use in service design is how might we dot, dot, dot. Everything that comes after that is empowering. How might we come up with this um, idea? How might we bring it to life? How might we um, get the right partnerships in order to expand into a new market? Like insert whatever thing here. Um, because there's, all, there's options overload, there's prioritization challenges, and there's analysis paralysis. And this for me, and you can see the visual diagram on ramcastillo.com. You can see it. And it's it's free. You can you can use it. It's, de it's a, definitely going to post a link to it um, on the release here. Yeah, and it's a framework that I created because I wanted to understand it. I wanted to use something that that I wanted to just grab and and as the name suggests, just to ra rapid decision making, get unstuck, lightning fast. I love it. I, I've just got to say I love it because um, you know as I'm trying to sit here and think how does this apply to successful scales and and, and educating people on scaling your business, your lightning bolt method actually touches on the core of almost every conversation, constructive conversation that I've had in recent weeks. And you talk about um, you kind of put it, you, you really eloquently put it in this you know in this Venn diagram, if you will, of the different areas and how they overlap is that. You're building the plan and you're really defining it, whether it's a career path or a business objective, whatever it is, you're defining how do I get, what do I want to achieve? And then you go further down into it and you understand, does this align with me as an individual, as a person? Am I, am I going, can I achieve this while staying true to myself? And you also talk about how do you actually overcome these obstacles? And so I think, you know, I hear a lot of people today, um, we're having a bit of a laugh about it uh, before we got on about like make six figures and seven figures and 10 million figures and all this stuff on clubhouse rooms. But um, I hear a lot of advice from people saying, just start, just, just go and start, just go and get, get into it. And that's how you do it. And I think one of the things that prevents people from actually starting and taking that advice, and it's always going to fall down at that same page is, is the fear that you outlined. And so if you can build that construct, and so I'm kind of unpacking 
the the methodology behind your methodology and how I can kind of understand it, how it applies. But I think that that's that's the thing that holds most people back from taking that next step is something feels too scary, too challenging, too hard, and they put it in the you know procrastination box or whatever that looks like, and they never get through it. But to to very articulate uh, to very clearly articulate each of the different aspects that help you actually achieve liftoff that next stage um I, I love what you're putting down here and i'm excited to share your methodology and the venn diagram and you know and everything that you're putting together because it makes such clear sense to me yeah i mean look when we're talking about scale okay when we're talking about specifically scaling a business as well um what i've just sort of shared is is a is a very top view ecosystem, big bucket thing. But when you, you can go, you can use it in a few different ways. So let's say we're gonna use it to scale, all right? Um, if the objective is to scale, so let's use it again. If, you, if the objective is to scale, then you have to interrogate the objective, that's number one. So how much do you wanna scale by? Why do you wanna scale? That's another thing. By how much do you wanna scale? Do you wanna scale in people or profit or both? Um, there's a whole area there of you needing to interrogate the real scale version of, of this, which is, I always say, how do you know when you've succeeded? In fact, I always ask people, um, how do you know when you've had a good day? And sometimes people are like, fuck, I've never actually thought about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure people. Right? Would, yep. Okay. So now the question is, how do you know that you've succeeded in this scaling that you so desperately want? And so this is where it becomes very, very um, practical and pragmatic because I'm, I'm a real practical person. So I would even break it down and go interrogate your objectives into scale into chunks. So I would go, what does the three month scale look like version of, of what we mean? What does 12 months look like? And what does three years? And this all goes back to business life cycles, right? So we, we know that uh, there's um there's a few different areas such as you know uh, establishing phase uh, developing and then launching then you've got growth phase then you've got maturity phase and then you've got the decline phase and the interesting thing is if you do not even identify where you are in these phases then um then it's then it's not going to help your decision making process or your version of scale because if you want to scale into something that is actually in the maturity phase, but you haven't even, you know, grown and growth period, if you, if you take um, McKinsey's method, um, I believe it's called, it's, uh, it's the three horizons of growth where horizon one is like, you know, year one to three, let's say, where it's just about maintaining core business, literally just, having a business that is revenue generating or break even horizon two is more of the, you know, three to five to six year mark, which is exploring and discovering um, expansion opportunities. Horizon three is more of the sort of long-term, you know, uh, year 10 mark where you are actually play. If you can make investments now to place bets on what might be a payoff in the future. So, you know, there's, there's, there's that tool. There's also, um, 
you know, when you scale, and again, this is still, we're still in the first bucket here, right? You can use something like the ANSOF matrix, A-N-S-O-F-F, ANSOF, and it's by a gentleman named Igor Ansoff, and it was first published in the Harvard Business Review in 1957. And there's an article titled Strategies for Diversification. So when we talk about scale, again, are you scaling based on um, market penetration, product, new product development, new market development? Are you diversification, you know, uh, diversifying rather in new product in a new market? And all of this comes with great risk. So, right, the, uh, now I've just opened up a whole other can of worms, which is, <laughs> yeah. I there's know, a we, lot here. I wish we had, I wish we had three hours <laughs> to, to do this. So I'm going right. to have to have you back on for sure. Mate, but this is exactly what I advise businesses. And, and so again, we're getting very, very critical here in terms of like real considerations, not, not the mindset stuff anymore. We did that at the beginning. So now I'm actually talking about frameworks. And so when we talk about scale, again, if you go back to lightning method, you can interrogate the objective of what scale means. Okay. <laughs> scale in what? And you've got to be clear on that volume, reach, awareness, like what, what the heck do you even mean by scale? Okay. Important. And then of course, there's the curate your criteria, which is what are your non-negotiables? So now what are you willing to risk? What are you willing to invest in? What are you willing to part with? Some equity to scale, right? There's a whole other thing there. And then it's the third, which is the um, dismantle obstacles. So, okay, what is in my way? And in every obstacle that you list, pair it with a solution and really be intentional about that solution. Because if it's about picking up the phone, emailing someone or needing to know a specific partner, this is how you're able to make quick decisions to scale. Love it. Love it. And I feel like it's a great segue to, to finish off on a few key points um, just, to, just to keep it in, in line here. Firstly, um, are you familiar with a book called Human Sigma? No. So sounds, sounds dope. you are going to absolutely love it uh, as I have. So it's all about, uh, obviously you'd be familiar with Lean Six Sigma and what it did to the industrial, the evolution of, of industry and, and kind of the uh, manufacturing floor versus the human component. So it's all about human centered uh, experiences that overlay that methodology of Lean Six Sigma where they've put them together. And I guess like the point of the book is that those people who are advocates of your brand are going to have an exponentially disproportionate impact on the growth of your business. So focusing on the customer experience is absolutely paramount to seeing real growth. And they, they kind of go through this study and they talk about the fact that um, people who are just satisfied with the services or the product or whatever it is, they're equally as valuable as someone who doesn't like it and simply are lazy and won't go to find an alternative. So um, having impact and really focusing on the customer experience, which is everything that you live and breathe, um, mm. you know, has just massive ripple effects. I, I figured you'd probably like that one. Um, Thank you, mate. Yeah, but um, and we could we'll talk after this a bit more about some of the books because I feel like you've got some absolute gems for me, and I hope I've got a few good ones too. But um, before I do let you go, uh, would love to. You seem to be full of some pretty great quotes, so I'm not going to put you on the spot here and expect a quote. <laughs> but, but if you have uh, sort of one guiding principle or one quote or one 
anything that you'd want to leave people listening uh, today with in terms of a, a word of advice, um, what would that be? Oh, just one. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a, it's an, it's a, it's an oxymoron, isn't it? Yeah. Um, look, one for me that actually is top of mind recently outside of um, what I said earlier, which is to, to lead with generosity and follow with care. Um, the, the thing that has, has come about is, um, is care, but don't carry. And whenever you are pursuing a business or building relationships and rapport or, you know, leading a team, um, it's important to know the difference that, that, you know, you might think that you are um, in, on a pathway that is almost out of reach. I, I encourage you to, to dream big, to give yourself permission because the right people are going to come at the right time um, as long as you're true to, to that vision uh, because we need more leaders and we need more we need more action takers. Like the world's not in a shortage of, of dreamers. We're in a shortage of dream makers. Like fucking get out there, get, get yourself in the arena. Like Google the Theodore Roosevelt quote of the man in the arena, like get dirty um, and care, but, but don't carry, don't carry everyone's burden. Don't carry all the criticism. It's going to come. It's going to be hard, but you can care and 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 let go of and just be washed over by all the noise and just keep going beautiful so before i do actually let you go um if anyone listening in today uh would love to get in touch with you about you know any of the businesses project things that you're you're you know impacting the world with what's the best way for them to reach you my um, Instagram, that's where I, I live, um, The Giant Thinker. Uh, so that's my handle, The Giant Thinker, um, everywhere, really, um, even on Clubhouse. Um, but yeah, Ram Castillo is my name. You can Google me and link, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, very active there as well. So uh, I'd love to hear from you if you want to extend the conversation or just say hello. Fantastic. Well, Ram, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time out. It's also quite late now um, on your Sunday night. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, mate. Appreciate you. Bye.